bringing you around the world right from your desktop. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. And welcome to the show. And as you all know, this is a really special month to me. Because this is the month every year on this radio show that we celebrate the anniversary of the Americans with Disabilities Act, and this year it is our 16th anniversary. How important that day is, and you know why we do this every year on Voice America and on this radio show, is because we need to remember our own history as people with disabilities. We need to remember how important it is. So every July, the whole month, I bring on some of the top leaders and former civil rights leaders that were there. I say former, meaning we even honor people who are no longer with us, such as Justin Dart. His daughter will be on uh, next week as we honor him. But today, it is my honor to have a guest I believe is carrying on with Justin Dart and so many people did. I believe she is a new leader in America in the disability community because she is a woman speaking out for all of us, for Americans with disabilities, and as you will see on this show, is truly having a tremendous impact. It is my honor to welcome to our show Commissioner Christine Griffin of the United States Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. Commissioner Griffin, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Joyce. It's a pleasure to to be on your show and to get a chance to spread the the message that you and I believe in, um, that people with disabilities have a right to work and want to work, and we just need to get them those opportunities. Isn't that the truth? Yeah. That's why I always say it's about quality of life. But this month, it hopefully is a way as people remember the Americans with Disabilities Act, that we remember what it's all about, freedom for all. So, Commissioner Griffin, how about if we start by you telling our listeners how you first became involved in the disability community as an advocate and why you wanted to do that? Okay. I actually was in a car accident when I was in college. I was studying to be an engineer on a ship, believe it or not, and I was in a car accident. And although I went back to school um, with my wheelchair, um, as as now a a woman who was a paraplegic, I um, got my degree in in marine engineering, but as we all know, commercial ships are not um, very accessible, and the engine rooms in particular are not accessible. So... I had to sort of switch gears and, and work as an engineer, which I did for several years for, for the federal government, and uh, then decided in 1990 to go to law school. Um, at that point in time, I had been a woman with a disability for 10 years, but really did not know anything about disability law, um, didn't know that there were laws that existed. I do know... I did know that when I um, thought something was unfair in the workplace because of my disability, I would just say to someone, um, gee, I think that's unfair. And uh, things would change pretty quickly, and I thought I was just a good advocate for myself. What I did learn in law school was that there was a body of law um, that protected people with disabilities, and especially in the federal government, and that's what people were reacting to. And 
when I went to law school in 1990, it was the year that the Americans with Disabilities Act passed. And although I went to law school to do something very different, I soon realized that this was an area of law that was going to be exciting to be um, connected to and to be a part of the evolution. And so I was very lucky. My second year of law school, I worked in the summer for Tom O'Neill, who was Speaker of the House, Tip O'Neill's son, and he uh, gave me the opportunity to learn as much as I could about the the ADA and got me into uh, what was then called the network trainings that the EEOC and Department of Justice partnered on. And they trained hmm, probably about 400 of us across the country with disabilities to uh, learn this law and to be able to be advocates and, and to teach others about this law. So... And I got to, you know, I, I through that met a lot of people. Uh, prior to that, the only people with disabilities I really um, uh, saw from time to time were people that I did wheelchair sports things with. And um, soon learned that there was a, a whole world out there of people who had been advocating for years for the passage not only of this law but, but the precursors to it, which was the Rehab Act. You know, people like Judy Hume and people... Um, you know, like Justin Dodd and, and Andy and Barato and others. So it was, uh, uh, I think an opportunity to, to become involved in a very exciting movement, one that was evolving and, and, um, one that really said to me that we could change things for, for all of us with disabilities if we worked hard, hard enough to do so. So well, that's... We're, we're, we're glad you made that decision. And, and wow, you know what? I didn't know you started right in 1990. What what a what a time! I know, I know. That was what a time. Yeah, it was very interesting. It was a it was an eye opener. And and of course, if you don't know, 1990, July 26th is when the Americans with Disabilities right. Act was signed and then implemented in 1992. But mm-hmm. uh, I, you know, when you were telling that story, I was thinking how exciting that would be to be going to law school when that all happened. It was exciting, and it was interesting because I don't think most people at law school, unless you, you had a disability or you were actually focused on uh, employment law, um, really knew much about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that was that was good and bad. It was good because you got involved at something from the ground level up, and and became knowledgeable about it probably before most people even knew it existed. But at the same time, there, there wasn't, you know, the type of attention paid to it in, let's say, when I took employment discrimination law, it was a very tiny piece of, of what was being taught. Um, maybe now, you know, how many years later, 15 years later, um, 16 years later, they actually, you know, maybe are teaching a little bit more about the ADA and employment law and law school. I certainly hope they are. I do, too. Well, you know, when I think about the EEOC. I guess I am one of those that, you know, I my reaction is always positive because to me, the United States Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, to me that's what freedom is all about. Right. That right. that to me is what it's all about. And so when people ever, you know, whenever I mention this to people, sometimes, you know, they'll say, EEOC, oh, doesn't that frighten you? And, you know, my reaction to all that is, well, why would it? Yeah. I yeah. always think, why would it frighten you? If you're doing everything right, why would it frighten you? Exactly. Because to me, think of the name, Equal Employment Opportunity 
Commission. I know. That, to me, is the group fighting for freedom for all of us. And, and that is how I believe. But I wanted to ask you, Commissioner Griffin, what it means to you. Because you, of course, are one of the commissioners that serve with uh, our Madam Chairperson, Carrie Dominguez. Uh-huh. And, and it's actually a great group of people to be with. Um, all of the commissioners, I think, are really committed to the work of this agency. And, and just as you said, it, it's an agency that's about creating equal opportunity for all people, regardless of age, religion, race, gender, disability. Um, it, it really, that's that's the mission of this agency. It's about providing opportunity. And, and, and I, I agree with you. Opportunity is freedom, especially for people with disabilities. Um, you know, being able to, to get a job and be employed and, and to have access to all the other things that everyone in, in society has. You know, the ability to go out and buy a car. I, I once heard an advocate who had, um, been discriminated against a woman with a disability who had a psychiatric disability and she it took a lot of courage for her to actually fight for um for her job and to fight back the the discrimination that she experienced and she talked about how important it was for her to work that she didn't want to be on benefits because she just wanted to buy stuff like everybody else and i thought that really summed it up to be able to buy stuff and whether it's a car or a or a house or you know your own health care, whatever it is, um, the ability to do that is something that's escaped a lot of people with disabilities for many years. And so I think we have to, I particularly have to use all of my efforts while I'm here um, to to make sure that there is equal opportunity, whether it's within the federal government or whether it's in the private sector. Well, and and to me. You are not free, and you will never be free ever in any country, including ours, if you do not have employment. I agree. You can't, just as you said, can't buy a car, can't yep. go on vacation, mm-hmm. can't live that American dream that you see, you know, on TV and in the movies, and that you read and hear about, you know, people going on vacation, doing things, buying things. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't do that when you're in poverty. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And I think I, I think most people don't know that people with disabilities do want to work. That you know, being on any type of benefits is not um it's not something that anyone desires. Uh, no, it, it really isn't. Because it takes away all feeling all feelings of dignity and respect. Right. That right. And not not to mention you're not making very much money. Right. Right. You know, people act like when you're on this system, so to speak, you're getting this highly paid salary, and you're not. There's no one that would ever no. want to choose, to you know, to be on this system right. when they could, in fact, have great employment. And there right. are exceptions to every rule, but you know, overall, the majority of people I've met want to work. Right. They and do. You, they, they want to work. And you know, in addition to your, you know your self worth, you know, I mean your net worth. You know, employment means a lot about your self worth. Mm-hmm. And what we do for a living, who we work with, where we go every day and spend the majority of our time is very important to all of us. And it's where, you know, when we get our first job, it's where we learn lots of things besides just the work that we're doing. We learn how to interact with other people. We learn social skills. We learn what's acceptable, whether it's acceptable dress, acceptable behavior, 
we learn all those things in the workplace. And um, to prevent people from disabilities from having also the opportunity to, to grow and learn um, is also a problem. So it's as I said, it's not just about your net worth, it's about your self-worth as well. Well, Commissioner Griffin, you were nominated uh, by the President, President Bush, and confirmed by the Senate in 2005 for a five-year term. How, how did you feel when you, were, when you were told this, that you were being appointed to this highly prestigious position in our country? Oh, I was elated. I was so happy that I was going to get the chance to actually affect national policy on employment for people with disabilities because it has always been a passion of mine. Well, we'll talk about that a little bit more when we come back. Okay. If you just tuned in, you're listening to Commissioner Christine Griffin from the United States Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, a leader in this country fighting the fight for Americans with disabilities. We'll be right back. You're listening to Joyce Bender, America's Voice, on voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. The world leader in Internet talk radio. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. Albert Einstein once said, Nothing happens until something moves. Will your movement towards realizing a dream, making a long-lasting change to your life, or simply putting a daily smile on your face is just a click away. Tune into Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney and Free Your Mind. Open your heart and ignite action in your life. Host and commander in change, empowerment coach, and international speaker, Scott Chesney shares his insights to making the most out of your daily lives. Scott interviews people who are maximizing their lives, the most recognizable transformationalists, and leaders around the world, as well well as those hometown heroes that move, touch, and inspire the best in all of us. Stay tuned into Maximizing Life for Scott's one-on-one coaching with callers. Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney broadcasts each Monday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney, inspiring you to live life with passion, purpose, and limitless potential. Go beyond success and discover a deeper meaning to life. Join host Jeffrey Gitterman and his guests, the premier thought leaders in business, politics, science, spirituality, and culture, who have reached the pinnacle of financial and professional attainment in their fields, only to discover a profound lack of fulfillment with what our culture defines as success. So won't you tune in every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time to Jeffrey Gitterman and Beyond Success, redefining the meaning of prosperity, right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. The powerhouse of Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. If you have a question or comment, call in toll free at 1 866 472 5788. Now, please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender. And welcome back to the show. If you just joined us, we are, as we're celebrating this month, the Americans with Disabilities Act, the 16th anniversary. 
talking to our guest today, Commissioner Christine Griffin from the United States Equal Employment Opportunity Com- Commission. And we went to break. I was asking you how, how excited you must have been when you were told you had been confirmed by the Senate, appointed by the President, but confirmed by the Senate to this five-year term. I'll bet when you were growing up, you never dreamt you'd be doing this, huh? I never dreamt I'd be doing this when I graduated from law school, even. I mean, um, I just really uh, never never um, even thought about it. Even I worked here as a special assistant for the vice chair, Polly Gasaki, 10 years ago, and still really never thought, oh, someday I want to go back and be a commissioner. I just, you know, when I was doing my work in Boston as the director of the Disability Law Center, which is the protection advocacy agency for the last 10 years, I really didn't think about it. I really, you know, only focused on, you know, the disability community and the good stuff that we were doing together up uh, in Massachusetts. And so when this opportunity became available and and I was appointed and and confirmed, I was um, really excited. And, and, you know, I'm even more so today. Um, I've been here almost seven months, and, and we have a lot of sort of irons in the, in the fire, and I really believe that, you know, by the time I leave here, we're gonna have got, um, we're gonna have made sure that people with disabilities are able to get jobs, um, in the federal sector and, and hopefully in the, on the private side as well. But as you know, we're, we're beginning with focusing on the, uh, on the federal government and opportunities there. Well, that is, first of all, I think it's, I can only commend you in behalf of all of us with disabilities because like Commissioner Griffin, I have epilepsy and a hearing loss, so I'm part of this group, but I'll tell you what, I am so proud of you and what you're doing because I'm so tired of people talking but not doing. Yeah. So it's really great to see someone doing something important and that's why I wanted to talk about the recent hearing I participated in on June 28th, um, where there was the United States Equal Employment Opportunity Commission had a hearing, and what this hearing was about in Washington, D.C., was why are Americans with disabilities, significant disabilities or targeted disabilities, actually losing their employment percentage with the federal government. It's actually going backwards instead of forward, and that's what this very, very... I will say, historic and important hearing was about. Would you mind, Commissioner, reviewing that with our listeners and going over some of the details about how this all came about okay. um, and, and what we're trying to do? Okay. I When I first got here, um, what, what happens whenever there's a new commissioner is the directors of all the different offices within the EEOC um, actually come and brief you on what's going on in their particular area. And I was being briefed by the director of our Office of Federal Operations, and that's the the part of our agency that not only um, if you have a federal complaint that you send your appeal to, but also there's a there's a section of of that um, office that also looks at the statistics of uh, employment of of all people within the federal government, and there's a specific report that they do with regard to the employment of people with disabilities. And up until that briefing, I was under the impression that the federal government was a a very good employer of people with disabilities, probably the best, and that's why, you know, they were able to actually look to private um, 
employ private employers and say, gee, you too should be doing a good job and, and looking at the laws that that protect people with disabilities. And he told me something very different. He said that uh, the federal government was not doing a good job in this area and hadn't been really for probably the last 15 years and that the percentage of people with disabilities employed by the federal government was steadily declining over time. And um, I was alarmed, to say the least, when I learned that. And then I thought, gee, maybe I just didn't know this, because I wasn't paying attention to the federal government when I was working at the Disability Law Center. And so maybe other people knew it. And as I went around and talked to people, I realized that nobody knew this. Everyone was under this false impression that the federal government was um, a very good employer of people with disabilities, if not the best. So it became very clear to me early on that until the federal government became the model employer it should be, that we really weren't going to make a lot of um, progress in, in other areas. So I really took that on as, as something that I wanted to focus on. And, and the chairwoman, Carrie Dominguez, agreed with me right away. She said that she, you know, was well aware that this was... Um, was a uh, you know a, a terrible situation, and that something needed to be done. And she asked me to actually coordinate uh, a commission meeting on this very issue, so that we could shine a light on it and, and let people know that this was something that we were going to focus more more specifically on. And within our office of federal operations, there were people that were actually already looking at this issue. So. I, I want to give them credit because they were already well on their way to um, trying to come up with recommendations on how to make this better. But the, my ability as a commissioner to raise it to a higher level um, was something that uh, they embraced as well and worked with me on. So we actually uh, put together three different panels and at the commission meeting, and interestingly enough, we, we put out the word that we were focusing on this, and we had over 190 people attend that, that particular meeting. And I think it's almost, for here anyway, at this building, it's more than um, the commission has had, more people at that meeting uh, than any other meeting that the commission has had here in, in, in this building. And um, it was amazing, the, the level of interest in this. And the three panels, we the first panel actually we had someone the off, from the Office of Personnel Management describe uh, some of the changes that they are making to Schedule A, which is a, a hiring authority where people with disabilities don't have to compete. They can actually be hired directly by an agency. And we also had our, our own Director of Office of Federal Operations, Carlton Haddon, speak about the problem because the EEOC issues a report. Um, every year on the on the high, on the employment of people with disabilities in the federal government, and then the second panel was um, actually a group of people, either people with disabilities or um, people representing uh, government employ employment groups for people with disabilities. So, the deaf of and hard of hearing in government, one of their representatives testified. We had someone from uh, the Department of Agriculture who, but he was also um, representing people with disabilities uh, in in federal employment in the Department of Agriculture. They have their own group, and then we also, <coughs> excuse me, we also had um, some other um, 
advocates. We had an individual who has a disability and was trying very hard to actually uh, get a job in the federal government. And then we had um, actually one of... Uh, one of the staff members from the American Association of People with Disabilities, AAPD, and they all testified about the problems as they see it and as they get input from their members if they were a membership group and what the issues were. So that was very enlightening, and I think that was really putting a face on the problem for everybody that was attending the meeting and for all of us as commissioners. And then the third panel, which you were on, um, which was wonderful, was we really highlighted some best practices. We chose people that were actually doing some innovative things to really go out and recruit people with disabilities. And the interesting thing was that every one of you was committed to increasing opportunities for the employment of people with disabilities. We had someone from the Veterans Administration. We had someone from uh, Social Security Administration who actually is second to EEOC is the largest employer of people with disabilities per percentage of their their employees. And um, we had you, and we also had someone from the CAP, CAP program, which actually helps uh, people in federal government get accommodations that they need. So, um, and you specifically talked about the work that you do to um, get people jobs. And uh, the interesting thing about your your testimony was that you were highlighting how hard you've worked to try and break into the federal sector to get people jobs in the federal government and how difficult it's been. And then you highlighted uh, one agency that you worked with. So it was a very, very interesting meeting. And at the end, the chairwoman charged me with leading an initiative, which we so appropriately named LEAD. Um, as Justin Dart used to say, LEAD ON. Mm -hmm. uh, LEAD for us stands for Leadership for the Employment of Americans with Disabilities. And so... That initiative is, is already beginning to, to do some work and to meet with people and figure out ways that we can actually increase the percentage of people with disabilities working in our federal government. And you know what, uh, Commissioner Griffin, I have to commend you and I have to commend Commissioner Dominguez mm -hmm. for doing this. I really do, Chairperson Dominguez, I really have to commend her uh, for having you take this lead and for you stepping forward doing this. And when you were just talking there, I thought, here we are this month celebrating the 16th anniversary of the Americans with Disabilities Act. Um, and how appropriate you would name this group lead. I know, I know. How, it, yeah. how appropriate. I know Yoshiko no. listens to this show a lot. And Yoshiko, let me just say that uh, Yoshiko Dart, of course, uh, was married to Justin, and Justin passed away only a few years ago. Yeah. Let me tell you what, Yoshiko has never stopped carrying on this lead-on campaign. She never has. She's a wonderful, great American, and I, I just think that's so great that that's what you chose. Yeah, no, it, it is great, and, and and we're really looking forward to to getting everyone involved in this initiative and I really think at the end of it we're going to see an improvement in the in the employment of people with disabilities. I do I have no doubt that we will and let me say this what they're doing at EEOC listen that's a national disgrace that Americans with disabilities yeah. aren't being hired is a disgrace and isn't it wonderful we have an agency that's stepping up and doing something about it we'll be right back 
You're listening to Joyce Bender, America's Voice on VoiceAmerica.com. Talk to a great leader in America, Commissioner Christine Griffin. We'll be right back. From our home to your speakers, VoiceAmerica.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. Ever wonder what are the favorite travel destinations of the Hollywood Jet Set? Where do celebrities like to go when they aren't walking the red carpet? Tune in to Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk with President of Traveris, David Manning, and Lisa O'Hurley, golf aficionado and wife of actor John O'Hurley. On Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk, David and Lisa talk with well-known actors, sports celebrities, and entertainment insiders to find out about their favorite travel destinations and what they recommend. On Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk, David and Lisa also offer up feature vacations each week and last-minute deals for your next getaway. Find out what's new and exciting in the travel industry, as well as how to raise money for your nonprofit organizations while enjoying a wonderful vacation. Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk with David Manning and Lisa O'Hurley broadcasts each Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk, your inside look into celebrities and travel. Join Patricia Raskin, host of Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com, Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call in to Positive Living Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern and 11 a.m. Pacific Time right here on VoiceAmerica.com. Bringing you around the world right from your desktop. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at one 866 472 5788. Now, please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender. And welcome back to the show. If you just joined us, we are this month celebrating the 16th anniversary of the Americans with Disabilities Act, and we are talking to our very special guest, Commissioner Christine Griffin from the United States Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. And I think we have a caller on the line. Hello? Hello? Hi, uh, this is Stephanie Walsh from the Center for Victims of Violence and Crime in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Hey, Stephanie, Hi, Stephanie. how are you? <laughs> Hi, Joyce. Commissioner Griffin, it's good to meet you over the uh, phone. Nice to meet you, too. Yeah, thank you for all the work, that, uh, good work that you do. Okay. Um, my, my question is specific uh, to something that uh, a project that we're just trying to get off the ground here in Pittsburgh uh, that's come to our attention that we may need to focus more on and uh, it's it's the fact of looking into um, the possible permanent disability that could result out of an act of violence or crime, mm-hmm. and it, we're finding that this is uh, kind of like a new area as, as we've been trying to do some research. And we 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 know that you know crime can um, there, disruption in employment and financial disruptions, but uh, 
not really been able to have the extra pair of hands or uh, the the quality resources to focus on this more. My, my question specifically is, is this something that the EOC has been uh, running into or has any insights? Is somebody that because of an act of crime, maybe two, three years later, especially around head injuries, that could possibly be uh, now a person with disability? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that you know, people that that you know, no matter how you acquire your disability, um, you know that as long as you you know meet the legal definition of disability in the employment um, arena, you mm-hmm. know, we would be able to to work with you. Let's say if you were discriminated against in the workplace, um, this is a growing area as we you know see more and more people live. Um, after accidents because of medical uh, advancements. More and more people are living after um, any type of a, a, a crime, you know, whether it's a shotgun or, or, or right. anything else. Um, we're seeing more and more people in this, in this sort of category that may have worked before this happened to them and then, you know, are having difficulty going back to where they worked before or, you know, are having, you know, are being discriminated against when they're actually applying for jobs because they now have a disability. Right. And I think that's and I think it's the same whether it's in the private sector or whether it's in the um in the federal sector. I think the same type of um things happen. Well, uh, one of the uh the dilemmas that we're running into is uh with uh, victim services we have uh, more funding and we have more of, uh, more of an effort that looks um, around the crisis intervention around right. an incident of violence. And so we, we know that individuals miss work, um, that uh, they oftentimes have to go through their savings and all that. But what we're just finding out is we're not tracking them long enough. Like yeah. we, we're, we're getting them through the court hearing, we're getting them through the first uh, year or two, right. and we're just starting to get uh, it, it, feedback and information back that several years out, um, they, uh, they're so shut down right. um, that they have a permanent dis- uh, disability, but they're just so shut down that they, that, that they can't be their own advocate. Right. And right. Uh, the, the, uh, then you have... Uh, Complications of depression and mm-hmm. um, maybe self, uh, you know, the the addiction, the self medicating. Right, right. Uh, so it's just it's just one of those things that uh, we're we're really um, just getting a glimpse into this and and uh, and and Joyce uh, has uh, been providing us uh, with some uh, with uh, leadership around that. Yeah. So I just wanted to see if that was an issue that's like hitting hitting a larger audience that. Uh, that there's uh, other people looking into this. Well, I think there are, but I think you're right in that. What's not happening is people looking at it further on in time, mm-hmm. especially with people who have head injuries. You know, what is happening them five, ten years? Everyone wants to help the first year or two. Exactly. And there's all sorts of resources, but, you know, four years later when they are ready to go back to work, when they are ready, you know, when they're saying, I, want, I don't want to be on benefits anymore, I think I'm ready, you know, who, who's there to help them? And I think, you know, there's a combination of folks within each state. And your protection advocacy agency is one of them. Um, your uh, independent living centers. Mm-hmm. Everyone should be working in partnership, I think, in every state to, to really help people, you know, get everything that they need yeah. to, as Joyce and I were talking about, to be free. Right. And, um, you know, employment is a key component of that. I just want to say, first of all, Stephanie... Uh, Walsh from 
is this organization, Victims of Violence and Crime. I think what you are doing is so important because there are many victims, mm-hmm. women of domestic abuse or men right. that have you know, been assaulted or women who have been raped. And the problem is everything is too fragmented. Yeah. So people deal with that violent act, but they don't realize that then what can come with that is, if there's a head injury, epilepsy, you know, or, or of course, depression from the trauma of going through all of this, um, hard enough for the person to deal with what happened to them, but now, after a year or two years, they have these other complications. Now they have to deal with, you know, getting back into employment, but sometimes don't realize, okay, I'm also a person with a disability. Right. So I think what you're doing is really great. Um, you know, we, we, need, we need to do work like that. Uh, and, Stephanie, I think that, you know, it's so important what you're doing, so I really appreciate what you're doing, and I thank you for calling. Well, thank you, and the, I've, I'm enjoying your program. So I'll, all right. um, I'll say goodbye now, and, again, thank both of you ladies all right. for all the good work you all do. Right. Thanks, Stephanie. Okay, nice bye. meeting you. Bye. I also wanted to mention, you know what this also is like? This reminds me of people coming back from... Iraq or Afghanistan. Yeah, exactly. Now, you know, these people come back. They all have disabilities. And even yep. if they do not have, for example, um, a visible disability, mm-hmm. if they've had a you know trauma to the head, right. they're going to join my group and have epilepsy. Exactly. I saw a presentation by someone from the Veterans Administration, a doctor who talked about the number of head injuries that, of, that people will incur because, let's say, they were... You know, even though they had their helmet on, even sometimes, you know, being thrown even with the helmet on and, and what happens to your head when you hit even within your helmet um, can cause a, a brain injury. And so he talked about the prevalence of, of head injuries that aren't even going to be detected until much later on when people come back and they start having difficulties doing certain things that prior to going they, they were always able to do. So he was predicting a large number of people uh, in this category. Yes, and if you're listening to the show, and if you are, for example, a person who is a victim of violence, rape, assault, no matter what it is, and you're now undergoing problems with depression or different issues, you know, this is a disability, and you can get help, and you are covered by the Americans with Disabilities Act. So, you know, remember... You need to learn to speak up. That's what I love about what Commissioner Griffin is doing, is getting people to speak up. And I want to mention uh, we have a question here from uh, Virginia, and I love this group. What happened is uh, one of my young managers with a disability, Jamie Watts, put together a group of some of the top young leaders with disabilities across the United States who send in questions uh, for this radio show. And some of the people that were referred to her, you know, young people that Yoshiko has mentored or just people involved, you know, in the disability world. And the question they have for you today, uh, sent in from Virginia, is, good afternoon, Commissioner Griffin. Thank you for all the great work you are doing. I would like to uh, ask you a question discussing some of the tools that have been put in place to increase employment for people with disabilities in the federal government, such as the Schedule A hiring authority, Mm -hmm. and why do you think these measures are not being effective in helping the government reach its goal? 
Well, that's a great question because I was actually at a meeting this morning where I learned more of these types of tools. There are many tools within the federal government where people with disabilities can be uh, employed, and and even non-competitively, which means you don't have to compete with other people. You can be chosen. And um, the first one that was actually part, you know, Schedule A was um, – created to do a number of things and it and it embodies several different waivers but one of them is specifically for people with disabilities and through Schedule A, um, you're able to actually apply for jobs specifically to the agency that's hiring someone. And if you have all the skills and requirements that they need, they can actually just hire you. They don't have to interview anybody else. They don't have to go through any process. And this was the federal government, when they instituted this, was a way of actually making it easy for agencies to hire people with disabilities. Um, unfortunately, we haven't seen any Anything great happen, and I think it's a combination of things. I think number one, people with disabilities don't know about it. Number two, uh, managers in federal agencies that are doing the hiring either don't know about it or think it's more complicated to use. And then the mechanism, I think, by which you actually have to prove you're a person with a disability is a little bit onerous. And right now, before it gets changed, you would have to get. Um, uh, basically a certification from your state folk rehab agency or the VA to actually say that you are a person with a disability and that you are qualified to do the job you're applying for. Well, in a lot of cases, such as mine, I didn't have a relationship with my voc rehab agency, so I would be going to people I really didn't know that well and asking them to certify something that, you know, um, they probably didn't have much knowledge of, you know, as it pertained to me as an individual. So I think the Office of Personnel Management, what we learned at our meeting is that they're in the process of changing that to make that easier. But it's a wonderful avenue directly to an agency to get a job. Um, what people don't know is that there is a, a, a also an Internet-based search uh, through the Office of Personnel Management, opm.gov, and it's, uh, or you can actually, I think, type in usajobs.com and actually look at listings of federal jobs available all over the country. You can search by area, you can search by type of job, um, or search by agency. And it's, it's a wonderful tool. But you can actually look and see the jobs that are open and then appeal directly to those agencies and say you want to be considered under a Schedule A appointment. But there are other tools as well. If you did extremely well in college and you have a GPA average of over 3.5, you can be selected as, as, uh, as a hire for a particular job. There are internships. There's the White House internship. I'd love to know how many people with disabilities were ever actually selected through that process. There is a federal career um, internship program where people with disabilities can be selected directly, non-competitively, for a two-year uh, um, assignment to a to an agency, and that can be converted at the end of two years to a to an actual job. Um, there are many vehicles by which people with disabilities um, have the opportunity to work for the federal government. And as I said, even today, I learned about you know a couple of these: the one about the GPA and the federal career internship. I heard about for the first time today. So 
part of what we're going to do with this initiative is really try and communicate all of this to the disability community so that they can apply for these jobs and and be able to be selected in this non-competitive process. That is wonderful. And you know, keep following up with this. You're listening to someone who's making a difference, Commissioner Christine Griffin. This is Disability Matters with Joyce Bender on voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Conversation at a click of a mouse. VoiceAmerica.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. The Woman MVP Who Set You Free with host, entrepreneur, author, motivational speaker, corporate executive, philanthropist, wife, and mother, Luann Mitchell-Halter is an exciting and provocative look at the real world with real exciting guests and real stories of triumph and professionalism with a dash of spice sharing recipes for a better world on all the playing fields of life. Join Luann Mitchell-Halter as she and her guests uncover and expose us to our abilities to create our very own Big League MVP, My Victory Plan, Potential for Greatness. The Woman MVP Who Sets You Free with Luann Mitchell-Halter broadcasts each Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. The Woman MVP Who Sets You Free. It's time to get off the bleachers, play the game of life, and be the MVP. Albert Einstein once said, nothing happens until something moves. Will your movement towards realizing a dream, making a long-lasting change to your life, or simply putting a daily smile on your face is just a click away. Tune into Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney and Free Your Mind. Open your heart and ignite action in your life. Host and commander in change, empowerment coach, and international speaker, Scott Chesney shares his insights to making the most out of your daily lives. Scott interviews people who are maximizing their lives, the most recognizable transformationalists and leaders around the world, as well as those hometown heroes that move, touch, and inspire the best in all of us. Stay tuned into Maximizing Life for Scott's one-on-one coaching with callers. Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney broadcasts each Monday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney, inspiring you to live life with passion, purpose, and limitless potential. The powerhouse of Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. If you have a question or comment, call in toll free at 1 866 472 5788. Now, please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender. Welcome back to the show, and if you just joined us, we've been talking to Commissioner Christine Griffin from the United States Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, who is leading the way with our federal government to gain competitive employment for Americans with significant disabilities. I think we have a caller on the line. Is Tom on the line? Yes. Go ahead, Tom. Yes, I have a comment uh, of uh, something that Commissioner Griffith made and also that you were talking about, too. 
um, about being free, and you're not totally free until you can buy. And nothing can be more true than that. Wow. And also, too, that individuals who have employment have the ability to choose and make choices about their own lives. I don't have to live in this particular house. I can right. choose what house I live in. And it also builds up a, a sense of identity for them as well. Uh, we are known by our jobs. It's the first thing that comes up in conversation in a social yep. gathering. Yep, absolutely right. You couldn't be more right. Uh, and and I think, I, I've been I, saying this for years. This is, you know, this is a... a, a this is a part of life that people with disabilities have really been kept out of, and uh, I think we have to do everything to ensure that 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 doesn't continue to happen. Tom, I really appreciate you calling in. Are you with a group here? Uh, I'm I'm with Achieva in Pittsburgh. Oh, a wonderful organization. May I say that I also am proud to know very well and be affiliated with what they do, uh, Commissioner Griffin is formally, you know, ARC, they changed their name to Achieva, which, you know what I want to say, Tom? I love that you changed that name to Achieva. So do I. <laughs> it's all about achievement. Do you That's know what great. I mean? Yes, yeah. I love that name. That's a but, great name. But I just want to say, Tom, I, I know you've never called in here before, but I want to thank you for calling in, but I also want to say that uh, you said it all. You summed up everything I believe in just those few statements you made. Because as far as I'm concerned, you are not free. You can't make the, you as you said. And, and really, Commissioner Griffin said this before. What's one of the first questions people ask you? What mm-hmm. do you do? Right. Exactly. What do you do? Yep. What, what do, do you do? do? Where do you work? Where do you work? How long, how long have you been there? You know, yep. it's, it's 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 part of who we are. Yeah, it is. And, you know, the long-term benefits of people being, people with disabilities being in the workplace, really that's what's going to change everyone's attitudes about people with disabilities. You know, so all of the, you know, the attitudinal barriers, the more and more people we get with different disabilities in the workplace, the better chance we have of changing those attitudes. That's right. That is right. And, Tom, thank you very much for calling in. Thanks, Tom. Thank you. Uh, and by the way, I want to thank all of my listeners. You know, just like Tom who called in here for the first time, we've had many emails and people call in. And sometimes people feel more comfortable with email because they're nervous being on the uh, you know, radio show. But listen, speak up. Don't be afraid. Call in. Any questions you have, we're happy to answer those questions for you. One question I do want to make sure I get to ask you uh Commissioner Griffin, before I go back to a few others that I have asked everyone that's ever been on the show, is already you've accomplished so much uh, in your life, and I'm sure you're very proud of, but I'm wondering, as I ask every person that's been on here, what, what are you the proudest of so far? I don't know. I, I think when I think of uh, like things that I'm the proudest of, I, I think of like individual cases <laughs> that I've done over the years where I, you know, I really, you know, think that I, I made a difference in a person's life. Um, you know, when I was in law school, I, I worked at, at the law clinic uh, my second year for one of the semesters, and I represented a, a guy who had cerebral palsy who had been um, lived in an institution for. Um, 25 years, oh. and was finally was finally out and had his own apartment, and he was being evicted. Um, and 
although you know that's how the case was presented and it was a an eviction case um what i learned about him in the process was that he was never allowed to go to school in the institution he didn't know how to read you know i connected him with a literacy program he was excited for the first time he he truly believed he couldn't he he wasn't able to learn how to read um and he clearly you know was able to uh so things like that when i think of things that i've uh, i've accomplished I, I don't think of sort of the big things i i think of the little things well, that that's not little. But yeah. You know what? I mean, you should be so proud of that. That is how many years ago was that? That was that was in 1991. 91. You know, yeah. you tell that story it sounds like it was 1960. Yeah. Yeah, I know it does, doesn't it? 1991 yeah. and and he he was a man with cerebral palsy who had um it was difficult to even understand his speech. Um which I I think further, you know, although there was, you know, absolutely um, nothing wrong with his mind. Um, you know, people wouldn't take the time to to just listen to him and listen. You know, pay attention to what he was saying. And even within my own law clinic, um, some of the the other uh, you know the students as well as the the leaders, the supervisors who are already attorneys, um, really had difficulty you know listening to him and and. I, I just, I, I, it was more their own problem, not his, is how I viewed it. And, uh, I just think there's so many people in that category where people just won't take the time to, to listen to what they have to say. They make assumptions about what their disability is based on whether they can speak or not to you and, and, and they make assumptions about what a person can and cannot do right off the top of their head without really knowing anything about the person. So, um, I, I, Judging by appearance. Yeah, exactly. And I, I find that's that's the most difficult um, barrier that people with disabilities face, especially in the workplace, is that somebody takes one look at you, assumes they know um, everything about your disability, and and assume that um, what you can and cannot do. Um, and they do that a lot of times before even talking to you or meeting you. Isn't that the truth? That's no. tr- I wanted to ask you a question. Um, any of the listeners, people listening to the show today, uh, people with disabilities that have read about this or have called in to us, what what can we do to help you? What can people do to help you with this initiative you're doing with the federal government? Well, I think right now we're, we're meeting with different groups and folks and, and learning lots of things, like learning what all the avenues are for people to get employment into the federal government, um, learning trying to figure out, you know, if, if, you know, we could get a commitment from, you know, let's say someone, uh, you know, at the White House, whether it's the president or whether the Office of Personnel Management to make this um, a requirement. Uh, it's already a requirement, basically. There's an affirmative action requirement for federal agencies to hire people with disabilities, and yet that still doesn't get it done. So we're trying to figure out, what can we do next to actually ensure that managers at agencies know that they they have to do this? This is a requirement. This isn't aspirational and a nice thing to do. This is actually required. So we're trying to figure out that piece. But we're also going to do um, an education piece once we figure out all the pieces and really try and put a package together. So we're going to be looking for people that we can get this information to, people that are willing to learn about it, at independent living centers, different advocacy groups, 
different disability organizations to actually get this information out to all, everyone that they possibly can so that they know that they have opportunities with the federal government and they know how to approach it. Mm-hmm. And we would love to do that. Um, it won't happen, you know, in the next couple of weeks or so. It'll it'll be a little bit of time. But once we do that, we really want people to not only apply for these jobs, but would love to be able to track what happens. That's and, right. um And we're going to be working on that. And we're going to need a lot of people's help to get that done. All right. Well, Commissioner Griffin, Christine Griffin, what message would you like to leave with our listeners today? I, I'd like to just, I would like to just let listeners know that, you know, there are, you know, it's not just me. There's lots of people that, that really believe that employment is the, is the key to everything else. And I, I know we need healthcare and, and transportation and housing, but I really have always believed that, you know, if you're able to get a job, You'd, you'd be able to afford some of those other things that, that we rely on benefits for. And I and so, could not agree with you more. Before we go, Commissioner Griffin, thank you for joining us, but I always end the show with a famous quote by a great leader in America, and today it is from you, Commissioner Christine Griffin, who said, Employment is the key to the American dream, and no one should be deprived of an employment opportunity because of discrimination. Said Commissioner Christine Griffin, thank you for joining us. Thank you. It's been, it's been a lot of fun. And thank you for what you're doing. And to all of you, I look forward to seeing you and talking to you next week on Disability Matters. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice on voiceamerica.com. See you next week. Bye-bye. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.